Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. Love in our society has become a very fickle thing and something that a lot of people say that you can't understand. You know, nobody knows, you know, about love. And if once you've fallen out of love, you can't get it back or anything like that. Here, here's the problem with that belief system. First John 4 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who is born of, uh, of God, uh, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not, uh, who does not love does not know God. Listen, for God is love. God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we may live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And so here's, here's the problem. If love is a fickle thing that you can't control, God is love. If we're saying love is fickle, there's something wrong with love. You can't measure it, you can't control it. God is love. You're saying God's fickle. You know, God's weird. You you can't predict God, And, and that's not true. There are laws of love that God has established, and what this means is love is in our control. I'm not saying we control God, but God gave us laws of love in the Bible that determine the level of our relationships. So let me go through these very quickly. The number one law of love is the law of sowing and reaping. In the very beginning, in Genesis 1, God told Adam and Eve that their future depended upon them sowing and reaping. He said, I've given you seed. The way you're going to take dominion over the world is you're going to sow these seed that I've given you until you fill the entire world. Galatians chapter 6 says this, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. So the Apostle Paul says, don't be deceived, God is not mocked. And that word mocked there means to throw your nose up at God. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap it. Whether you sow it sinfully or whether you sow it righteously, everything that you sow in life is gonna come back to you. So here are the four deceptions concerning the law of sowing and reaping. And these are very common in marriage. Number one, I cannot sow and get a crop. I cannot sow love into my spouse. I cannot sow the right things and I can still get a crop. Here's another deception. I can get a good crop from bad seed. In all of my years of counseling, I've never had a person come to me and say to me, you know, Jimmy, we got in a big fight last night. And my spouse cussed me up side one side and down the other. And boy, it helped. <laughs> I mean, I, that right in the middle, then cussed me out. The light came on and I, I could just see clearly for the first time. I, I'm just so thankful I married someone who's willing to cuss me out when I need it. <laughs> when you, don't be deceived. God is not mine. If you sow a bad word, you're going to reap a bad result from that. But if you sow a good word, you're going to get a good result. Number three deception is sowing good seed won't work. And some people say, well, not in my marriage, it won't work. No, not, not in my situation. He said, well, you need to do the right thing. Don't be deceived. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. I can get many harvests out of one sowing. That's another deception. I shouldn't have to work at my marriage all the time. I worked at it at the beginning and that, that should be enough. No, you have to keep sowing and reaping. Okay. But here are the ways that we sow into each other's lives. Proverbs 18 
and this is interesting, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. And fruit means the result of seed. A man's stomach is gonna be satisfied from the seed that returns back to him. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. He, listen to this next verse. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. When Karen and I got married, I was verbally abusive. I was, I was terrible in the way that I talked to Karen. And it dest- I destroyed my wife with my mouth. I destroyed my marriage with my mouth. And the way that my, our marriage was changed, one of the main ways that our marriage was changed is I had to change the way that I talked to Karen. Not doing the wrong things that I'd done before, but beginning to sow good words into Karen. Listen, every good marriage has good words spoken in that marriage. A bad marriage either has no words spoken or bad words spoken. But the, it's disproportionate. The power of life and death is in our tongue. And it's interesting to me that in that same text it says, he who finds a good wife finds a good thing. By your standard of measure, it will be measured back to you in return. Okay, Can I, let me say something. God doesn't decide how blessed I am, I do. See, every time, every time we do what we do, we're creating a measure in heaven, whether we realize it or not. And a measure means like a scoop. And so you're praying and you're saying, God bless me. And God says, I wanna bless you so bad. Angel, would you bring me Jimmy's measure over here? And the angel walks over and it's a thimble. <laughs> Jimmy's, Jimmy's kind of a Scrooge. He kind of has a tight, he's real tight. He kind of has a stingy spirit. And he says, son, I love you so much now. According to your standard of measure, I'm going to measure it back to you in return. And so God, you know, takes my thimble and puts it in, my, in his blessing jar. And he pours it out on me. And I'm saying, Lord, would you bless me? It's like a bird flew over. I get hit. What was that? <laughs> That's your blessing, son. <laughs> I don't want that. When I pray, I want to say, Lord, bless me. And the Lord turns and says, Angel, would you bring me Jimmy's measure? And the angel says, it'll take several of us, Lord. Because he's got a big measure. Jimmy has a generous spirit. Anybody want that? God doesn't decide how blessed you are. You do. So if you, want, if you want it to be returned back to you, watch your spirit. Because you're exchanging whether you realize it or not. The third seed is me seed. I'm sowing myself. God didn't give us something. He gave us himself. In the early years of our marriage, Karen didn't have me. Karen didn't have me. And she, when I came in from working and playing golf and I was exhausted and, and not talking, she wanted me. She didn't want me sitting in the living room, not communicating and tired and not giving. She wanted my heart. Karen fought for my heart and always has. And I appreciate that about her. God gave us himself. We love God because God gave us himself. Number two is the law of measure. You reap according to the measure that you've sown. And given it will be given to you, good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put in your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Well, I wanted Karen, early in our marriage, I wanted Karen to, I wanted more sex and I wanted it with a better attitude, okay? And, uh, and Karen, you know, Karen met my sexual needs, but it just wasn't, and I, and I was playing golf, I was being an idiot and all that stuff. So, um, so I would not be affectionate with her. She wanted me to be affectionate with her and I, I didn't know how to be affectionate. And she wanted me to talk to her and I thought she was nosy and I didn't want to feed the monster. And, but, but I wanted great sex with a great attitude. 
Okay. So I would not sow into her needs, but I wanted to reap a big harvest. So when I went in to repent to Karen, um, and I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all the things I've said and done. I'm hanging up my golf clubs. I'm not going to play golf anymore. And I did that. Um, I changed. And I learned to be affectionate. The Holy Spirit taught me how to be affectionate to Karen. And I began to sacrifice to meet Karen's needs. Well, I couldn't believe the result of that. I never, it, you know, it just helped a big time. And <laughs> I would have been more Jesus-like years earlier if I'd have, I'd have known that. But any smart farmer knows it's not how much seed you got in the barn, it's how much seed you got in the ground. You have the ability to meet your spouse's needs. And to the degree that you take that seed out of the barn and sow it into your spouse, according to your standard of measure, it will be measured back to you in return. And I'm not saying that you ought to stand in the house and say, well, I can't meet your needs because you didn't meet mine. Jimmy said that you hadn't sown into me, I can't give it back to you. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm just telling you what the law says. Number three, the law of investment. You reap where you sow. You don't just reap what you sow, you reap where you sow. Jesus, Matthew 6, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let me teach you about two words. The word treasure there does not mean gold or silver or jewels. It's the word thesaurus. It means treasury. It means where you put your valuables. Jesus says where your thesaurus is, where you're investing your valuables, there will your cardia, your heart, be also the seat of your passions, cardia. Wherever you are investing yourself, your passion will be there also. My passion was on the golf course. When Karen and I got married, we were out of love. I mean, we, we just didn't have any, we, we were fought all the time. We were out of love. But my passion was on the golf course. See, your passions tell on you. And what Jesus says here is, wherever your treasure is, your passion's gonna be there. See, your passion tells on you. We should be passionate about Jesus, number one. If you give Jesus the first of your time, talent, and treasures, your passion's gonna stay with Jesus. Let me say it another way. Givers never backslide. Because wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When you give God the best of your time, talent, and treasure, it locks your passion with Jesus. And he stays number one in your life. When you give your spouse the time and energy that they deserve, your passion stays within your marriage. But when you take the best of your life, if you sow into your children, you reap there. If you sow into your work, you reap there. You should sow into your children. You should sow into your work. Never taking away from God in your marriage. God is first, your marriage is second, your children are third, church is fourth, work, friends, everything else is down the list. And if I don't sow down here, I'm absolutely gonna sow here, but I'm not gonna take this and sow it somewhere else. Because if I take away from God and sow it over here, my passion will leave God and come over here. If I take away from my marriage for the sake of my children or work or something else, my passion's gonna leave my marriage and it's gonna come over here. So the law is this, if I sow in my marriage, I'll stay passionate about my marriage. When two people are sowing into their marriage, guaranteed you're gonna stay passionate about your marriage relationship. You reap where you sow, okay? It's called the law of investment. Number four, the law of return. 
All seed has a germination period and will return in a, har in a harvest in due season. Galatians 6. Don't be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that will he also reap. And then it says in verse 9, in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Well, I had a man in counseling came in and he said, Jimmy, I've been a jerk. I've been terrible to my wife. And, and now she's wanting to divorce me and everything. And he says, I, but I want to keep her. And I said, okay. And so I talked with him about, you know, how he could go home. I said, go home, tell your wife you're sorry, repent her. So I did that. And I said, good, well, just go home and meet her needs and love on her and, and uh, show her that you're a changed person. And I said, well, come back and see me in you know, a week or two. So he came back to see me the next time. He said, ah, we're just gonna go ahead and get a divorce. And I said, why? And he said, I tried that for a week and it didn't work. <laughs> well, in due season. Every, every, all seed has a germination period. And farmers have to be very patient. When you sow, you may be going through a difficult time in your marriage. And a, a woman wrote us a letter and she said, my husband and I are going through a terrible time. And uh, he shut down communication. And it wasn't because of her. It was because of something else that was going on in his life. He went into depression, kind of went into a shell. And she said, I realized the only way to him was through sex. And she said, and I decided rather than getting mad and withdrawing, I was going to sow into his life sexually because it was my only point of contact with him. And her story was, it took a period of time, but her husband came out. Their marriage is better than it's ever been because she was a wise woman who through a difficult period of time kept sowing into her husband rather than getting her feelings hurt and walking away. Farmers have to be patient. All seed has a due season. And when you're doing the right thing, when you're sowing, in, your spouse isn't doing what you're doing. They're, they're not as interested as you are. But you're sowing into your marriage. This is what Karen did. You're sowing into your marriage. You're sowing into your marriage. The devil will come to you and say, there's no hope for you. You need to get out of this. They're never gonna change. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's gonna reap. In due season, you're gonna reap. Don't grow weary in well-doing. That's, that's why the devil comes to discourage us is he wants us to believe that, that it's, you know, it, it's not gonna work for us. There was a, a woman that I, I worked out at a place uh, for years and there was a woman that sat at the front counter of this place and she had the personality of a rattlesnake. And, uh, and that's, I wanna apologize to all the rattlesnakes because she, but she, she was the meanest woman I've ever met in my entire life. And you, you just learned, don't talk to her. Don't even look at her, you know, and, so I, would, I walked into this place where I worked out, and she, boy, she scowled at you if you looked at her, you know. And so I decided one day, I'm gonna, I'm gonna crack that nut. And I, so I, I just, and I, it annoyed her a lot. But every day when I walked in, I walked in and patted the counter in front of her and said, how are you doing today? And she gave me a dirty look. And every day when I walked out, I walked by and patted the counter and I said, bye, I'll see you tomorrow. Never looked up, never said a word. This went on for years. And, oh yeah. I, it, one day, so one day I was running late and I was trying to get home and I was walking out the door to go home and I was about, and I had my hand on the front door and as I was pushing the door out, I heard these words, goodbye, Mr. Evans. And it was her. The meanest woman I ever knew. I sowed kindness into her and she didn't sow it back to me. But years later, she spoke a kind word. I don't, I don't know what happened to that woman in her past, but probably something really terrible. It's probably some man hurt her very deeply. 
And my words were sowing kindness back into her. Don't grow weary in well-doing. In due season, you're going to get it back if you don't lose heart, if you don't lose faith in God. Law, law number five is the law of grace. Now listen to this very quickly. 2 Corinthians 9. This I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Why? Paul is taking an offering here for the saints in Jerusalem. And he's saying, if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. For God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, would have an abundance for every good work. Well, Karen and I, there have been times that we've given offering to the Lord that we, that we wanted a financial harvest to come back from that. And, and we were believing for that. And we've seen miracles in that regard. But there came a point in our lives where we didn't, we didn't need a financial miracle. We were giving an, an offering, but we needed a different grace. And we have five grandchildren, and four of them were born after years of waiting on them because of infertility. And we remember, Karen and I remember, when we gave offerings to the Lord where we were sowing, and we said, we don't need money, Lord. We're believing for a harvest for a grandchild. We pray that you'd help both our daughter and son-in-law and our son and daughter-in-law when they were dealing with infertility. And we have five grandchildren. We have a bonus child. We have a bonus baby. And, uh, but I need honor. I need sex. I need Karen to be my buddy. And I need domestic support. Karen needs security. She needs communication. She needs soft, non-sexual affection. And she needs leadership. See, I don't need what she needs. But here's what God promises. When you... When you give graciously to meet a need that you don't have, God will return that in the grace that you need. See, the, the, people, the people that Paul was taking the offering from, the Corinthians, they had money. The saints in Jerusalem didn't have money. So he was saying, out of your abundance, give so that we can meet their need. They gave money. And here's what Paul promises. God's able to return that to you in the grace that you need. You may need the grace of health. You may need the grace of, of prosperity or, or promotion. You may need the, whatever grace that you need. So when I come to Karen, and this is what I did when we first got married, I rejected her because she was different than me. And I was not willing to give her the grace that she needed, believing that when I sowed into her, that God was able to meet the grace that I needed. And so when you meet each other's needs in marriage, it's the law of grace. If I want my needs met, I need to meet somebody else's needs. If I want God to return this to me, I need to meet the needs of my spouse that they have. Hey there, we are Dave and Ashley Willis, and today we're gonna to continue the conversation about how we can fly high in our marriage. And we wanna talk specifically about the concept of sowing and reaping. And sowing is another word for investing. You know, what we sow into or what we invest in, we will reap the harvest there. We will have the good things in that relationship there. And so we need to sow into our marriage, but I think so many times we can sow into other things, and that's where our heart follows, because really, whatever we're giving our energy and our time to, that's what we can our treasure. And so we need to always sow into our marriage and sow into our relationship with the Lord. That's so true. And we've got some great questions that have come in today. We're going to answer a couple of them right now. 
Question one says this, I've been trying to be a better spouse, but I don't feel like my husband is doing his part in the marriage. I wonder if it's worth it to keep trying. What can we do to make our marriage work? Man, that's that's it's a, a great spot. question. And yeah. I think in every marriage, there are gonna be times when one spouse feels this way. Yes. You know, and, and over the course of the marriage, I think both spouses will probably feel this way at different time. And that's why we always say marriage is not 50-50. Divorce is 50-50. Divorce is dividing everything in half and meeting in the middle. Marriage is 100-100. It's both people being willing to give everything you've got, even when the other spouse you feel like isn't necessarily doing their part and allowing the commitment that you give to be what God has done for us. You know, he gives us his best when we're at our worst and he says, now love each other that way. Now, with that being said, it's also not fair or it's not healthy to enable the other spouse to let them think it's okay for them to just go on being lazy and disconnected and for you to feel like you've got to carry the weight for the course of the whole marriage. So, sweetie, for someone in this situation, what what can be done? You know, I would tell them to keep on praying big prayers that your spouse will come alongside you and work on the marriage and also keep on sewing into your marriage. You know, keep on doing those things that you are doing. And I know sometimes what you're saying is falling on deaf ears and you feel like your actions aren't really being seen, but I would tell you that God sees them. God knows what you're going through and he's right there with you. So keep on doing those good things that you know are encouraging your spouse. Keep on kind of, you know, putting out the olive branch and saying, listen, I want you to come alongside me. Join me in this journey. I want to work on our marriage together. And in the same way, keep on going to the Lord and working on your relationship with God because he will help you have the strength that you need through this time. And he will give you that peace in the midst of this struggle. That's right. Even... Even when you feel alone, right? You're Even not. If, you're, if you feel alone, you're not alone because the Lord's there with you. And so keep doing those things. That was great wisdom. Now the second question, this is this is an intimate one. I mean, yes. this one took some courage to ask, but I believe that so many, so many of us have felt this at times. You want to tackle this one? Yes. It says, "My wife and I are struggling to have passion for each other. It just isn't what it used to be. Is it possible to get the passion back? If so, how? That's a tough one. But I do think that every marriage, anybody who's been married at length. They know that this this is a common problem. Yeah, it is. It's it's a common problem because as, as time goes on, um, well, what, number one, your your body changes, yes. your energy level changes, uh, health situations can can come in and affect hormone levels. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've 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 felt, you know faced that with health yeah. health issues and hormones being all over the place. Yes. And then you've got the stress of raising kids and jobs, and you look back and think, well, man, it just it felt different, you know, on our honeymoon. And I'm like, well, of course it did. You didn't have a care in the world, right? I mean, you didn't have any of this this other stress. But the beautiful part about marriage is that it can actually be better than it was on your honeymoon. It can be better because of the commitment and the connection that you have with each other, the, the trust, the intimacy, the bond that you build as you continue to keep investing. And so instead of trying to recreate the honeymoon or the early days of the relationship, realize it can be better now than it's ever been if we'll make the com- commitment to really pursuing each other and doing everything in our power to, to connect and to get through this together. And you'll find that that passion will come. But don't make the passion or the feeling the main priority because feelings are fickle. They change. Yeah. Make the commitment the main thing. And then your feelings, your passions, always have a way of catching up. They do. And sometimes it's just as simple as taking some practical steps. You know, get yourself checked out by a medical doctor. You know, go to some therapy. Sometimes there's some underlying emotional issues that affect the passion between us. Maybe there's some things from your past that you've never dealt with. You know, take those practical steps. Keep on praying. And whatever you do, never stop pursuing one another. We thank you guys so much for joining us. And we hope to hear from you. So go to marriagetoday.com. 
We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, and we want to let you know about another marriage podcast with Dave and Ashley Willis called Naked Marriage, where they talk about real and raw marriage topics like sex, communication, openness, and more in a fun, lighthearted atmosphere. Search for Naked Marriage with Dave and Ashley Willis in iTunes and start listening today. 